You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valves exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my delightful wife, Tacey. Hello, Tacey. Hello. This is a show for people who never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider or you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-WHOHEN. Excellent. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you heard with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right. All right, please don't forget to go to stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon needs. Um, good luck finding certain things right now. Uh, un- unbelievable. If uh, a month ago you told me that we were going to have a shortage in this country of toilet paper and Plaquenil, I would have thought you insane. But there, there we are. Uh, if you'd like to um, lose weight, with us on during this uh, time of self-reflection and self-isolation, check out Noom, noom.drsteve.com. It's not a diet. It is uh, a psychology app. It has helped me get the weight off and keep it off. Uh, you know, I'm having it's a little difficulty uh, right now with my stress eating, but I'm still doing way better than I would have without them, and I'm still keeping the weight at a very manageable place, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, getting back down to exactly my ideal body weight, which I'm just a few pounds away from. But I mean, check that's out, phenomenal check that, out, to be your ideal body weight. It's insane. I haven't been my ideal body weight since after college. So. <laughs> I'll never be my ideal body weight. <laughs> well, you're ideal to me, Taste. Oh, well, thanks, Steve. Noom.drsteve.com. And then um, don't forget Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. He's banned from the studio, but if you go visit him over there, tell him we're t- at least talking about him. Okay, very good. Uh, first off, I have an apology to make, and I thought, you know, I need to stop trying to be funny and just stick to medicine. Amen. So, so this um, person t- uh, sent me a text message through our voicemail thing and said, educate yourself first with the facts before you go on the air and lie. Please look at how many people have the coronavirus in New York. Learn some math. And then he says, there are 20 million people in New York State with 11, uh, I mean, 113,000 cases. That's 18% of New York has coronavirus. You claim 0.04% is a little off. Okay. 
So anyway, um, so I looked up the numbers, and the population of New York State is 19.54 million. And as of this recording, there were 138,863 known cases uh, in the state. So to get the percentage, you take the known cases divided by the population, right? I'm right, right? That's how you do it. I mean, I don't do math, but I can I okay. can tell him that. Well, so 3 divided by 100 is 3%. Yes. Right? If you had 3 cases and the population was 100, it would be 3% of the population. Okay, so uh, let's ask Alexa. Alexa, what percent of 1.95 million is 138,000? Oh, it's not Alexa. It's Echo. <laughs> Sorry. Boo. Let me give myself one of these. Let's try that again. Echo, what percent of 19,540,000 is 13... Ah, oh, shit. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Echo, stop. This is very professional. Let's try this again. I mean, I can just I do the math, but it'll sound more impressive if she does it. Okay, one more time. Echo, what percentage of 19,540,000 is 138,863? 138,863 over 19,540,000 is equivalent to about 0.711%. Okay, so it's less than 1%, not 18%. Now, here's where the apology comes in. Um, I sent him back. I said, I don't mind pushing numbers around, but please do the calculation before you call me a liar. Okay? And then I said, meh, I'll just... Take a screenshot of that and post it on Twitter. Well, I oh, ha- that was smart. Yeah, well, okay. It would have been funny because I didn't really take it personally. It's like everyone's... A um, little on edge. A little on edge, including me. And I screen capped it and put it on Twitter. Didn't realize the fucking guy's phone number was... Oh, uh, no. Yeah, so I just doxed a listener, and I am extremely <laughs> sorry that I did that. I immediately, once somebody pointed it out to me, I deleted it, and I put out a text saying, please, you know, I didn't intend to dox this guy. Please just leave him alone. And then I sent him a note. I Now, after he called me a liar, I have to send him a text saying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just accidentally doxed you, and I will reimburse you if you need to change your phone number. So, anyway. Well, he started it. Well, he... <laughs> I he know. did. He started it. But it was naughty. He of wasn't. Me. Well, it, I mean, it was. Yeah, he wasn't very nice. No, and uh, neither and, neither was I. So anyway, I dude who or or ma'am or miss or what whatever you know jerk. whatever you want to be called, I apologize, and I absolutely would never dock somebody. I was really trying to do it in a lighthearted way, and then I, my adrenaline once I realized what I did. You know, I may not even be on Twitter anymore. I mean, that's that's a that's a bannable offense. So. Anyway, it was just stupid, and I wasn't thinking, and I didn't notice it. I mean, if I, you know, I looked at it, but it's so tiny on that little phone screen. You know, I just didn't see it, and then I looked at it on the computer. It's like, oh shoot! Uh, that's not something you would do on purpose. No, I absolutely would never do that on purpose. So, anyway, so um, there you go. So, what do you got? 
How are oh. you doing? With oh all my this? God, I'm so over this. And I realized, you know, last week I was like, well, it's amazing how a human being can, you know, adapt. And today I'm not, I'm not feeling that way at really? all. No. So you're I'm, having good days and bad days. Yes, I guess that's how you would say it. Yeah. And um, I, the my, the highlight of my day is my nap. <laughs> and um, a little frustrated today because it doesn't seem like I'm going to fit one in. Well, because of this, sorry. Go ahead. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to, I mean, really, what do you want me to, I get up in the morning, I get dressed, what the hell for, I go downstairs, I drink coffee, I do a WebEx or two, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then your husband is, you know, two at least two days a week going right into the... Yeah, which I'm... Into, in, the, into COVID, the breach. Yeah, which... <clears throat> Yeah, is, is so I'm sure that doesn't help make no, you feel any it better doesn't. about anything. It, it, it doesn't. I am being very careful in my Darth Vader outfit, but and, still, I know. And I, I'm thankful for that. And you know, we have a physician in the area who who does have it. And um, yeah, he he posted some stuff on uh, on social media, so yes. we can talk about that. Okay. Uh, we won't give out his name, but you want to say well, what what he what your question was? One one question was that. Um, they um, decided to electively put them put him on the ventilator, and I just thought, why? You know, I just was going to ask you why why someone would would want what would be the case if you have COVID? What what's the cause of you needing to be put on a ventilator just to rest your body, or so yeah. you can get better, or well. Um- I don't know that they electively do that. Is that what he said? Did he say? Did he use the words elective? Dude, that's what he used. Could, oh, okay. Well, okay. Now, sometimes physicians will use that word, and they don't mean it the way that. So, elective ventilation is something that we use when someone is, uh, you know, donating organs and stuff. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> so, I think what he's saying is they decided to um, put him on the ventilator because his oxygen requirement was increasing. That would be my guess. Now, mechanical ventilation is just a form of life support. It's a ventilator's machine that takes over the work of breathing when you're not able to do that for yourself. Uh, I have a non-invasive ventilator in our bedroom. You know, my BiPAP is um, actually, you know, increases the pressure or the flow when I'm inhaling and gives me a little bit of back pressure when I'm exhaling. And uh, those can be used as non-invasive ventilators in some folks. They're trying to avoid using those in COVID patients because of the risk of um, increasing aerosols, you know, because it's not a closed circuit. Uh, when you hear that mask farting on someone's face, you know, there's air is leaking around the side of the mask. And so um, there, uh, I have been reading that um, people are concerned about using those things in these, in these uh, COVID wards. Uh, but the mechanical ventilator is basically that. It, uh, you put a tube down uh, somebody's throat into their trachea, which is the breathing tube part of our uh, upper airway. And there's a little balloon in there, and you blow the balloon up so that you get a good seal. And uh, then you can force air in, 
and and allow the air to escape and then you can add a little bit of back pressure to keep the alveoli the the little air pockets in the lung inflated and uh, <clears throat> all this um, really does is enhance oxygen delivery to the lung so that it can tran- be transported across the uh, the the lining of the lung into the bloodstream right so um you can, and there's a lot of different parameters that you can uh, adjust. You can adjust the percentage of oxygen all the way up to 100% and all the way down to about 21%. I remember when I was in medical school, we had this intern come through. Now, regular room air is 21% oxygen, right? And so they had had this person on 24% oxygen. And then uh, the nurse said, yeah, the person's doing well on uh, 24% oxygen. And the resident said, okay, well, let's just take him on down to 20. (laughs) It was like, uh uh-oh. Because that would be less than room air. Get it? Yes. So anyway, um, the other thing that you can do with a ventilator is you can blow off carbon dioxide. If you have someone that is building up carbon dioxide in their lungs because they're not breathing effectively, we'll see this in people with emphysema. You can actually hyperventilate them, so you can increase the rate. So you can change the oxygen concentration. You can change the rate. And you can uh, change the uh, pressure on the uh, inspiratory. We know when you're breathing in to force more air in. And you can change the pressure when you're breathing out to give you a little bit of back pressure. So those are the main parameters. That now, would he with. be asleep? <clears throat> Do they put you asleep? I'm just going to say this. If they have to do this to me, they, by God, had better put me to sleep. Okay. That's what I was was Uh, wondering. Because I have such an active gag reflex that um, if if I just stick out my tongue and bring my finger toward my mouth, not even touch anything, I'll start to gag. So I can't even imagine them sticking this thing down my throat. And will they keep keep them asleep? So uh, yes and no. Um, what we found is uh, you can. There's a lot of different medications that you can use. You can use propofol, which was uh, Michael Jackson's magic milk, and uh, we can use um, Versed, which is like a Valium-like drug, except it's got a very short half-life. And they can use another drug called Presidex or Diprovan, which affects breathing less. <clears throat> and then you can use fentanyl as well, which is an opioid. And um, all of these things can be used to make people more comfortable while they're on the vent. The problem is the longer you have people on sedation, uh, the longer it takes for them to recover. You've had you, – have you ever had a colonoscopy? Uh, you have. Yes. Okay. Yes. How did – after – you were under for probably 15 minutes. Did you feel goofy afterward? Yes, but that was before um – Motion detected at the front door. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Echo. That was before um, propofol. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm, I don't know that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Alexa, Echo, (laughs) whoever. Um, Yeah, so you just multiply that times 14. Well, you know, so you did it for 15 minutes, so four times that would be an hour, and four times 24 would be a day. That... And then multiply all that times 14 days for some people being on the vent. It's really hard to shake some of that stuff, particularly things like fentanyl, which are fat-soluble. 
you know, that means that they, they, the fat cells in our body become a reservoir for that, and it, it, it just sort of accumulates and then has to um, uh, uh, be cleared from the body in dribs and drabs over a period of time. And uh, so we try not to sedate people for too long, but, so, you know, you've got to do something to pass the time if you're just laying there with this tube down your throat. So, so yeah. Uh, now, you remember that balloon we talked about in the trachea? That balloon can cause problems if over um, a period of time uh, there – do you – do you want to go see if there's yes, somebody do. down there? <laughs> I don't know if people listening can hear that, but the dogs are going crazy. And, uh, yeah, I've got my uh, gun right here. Let me know if I need to come down with, uh, with barrels blazing. But anyway, because um, I doxed some guy. Um, the uh, where, where was I? Hell, I don't even remember where what we were talking about. So this is going to be one of those shows. Sorry, everybody. All right. Let's take some. Let's take some phone calls. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right, very good. Thank you, Ronnie B. Motion detected at the well. front door. <laughs> oh. What a very professional show this is. I had a question about the uh, thing that everybody's talking about nowadays. What's the difference between, uh, like, airborne and foodborne uh, pathogens or viruses or whatever. Um, it, it seems like we're all talking about wearing masks and stuff, but nobody's worried about uh, getting a hamburger from the drive-thru. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Okay. No. Uh, uh, and, and you know, and I'm going to quit saying it's a really great question because they're all great questions. And I'm so sick of hearing the um, nightly, um, um, the nightly news conference where every question somebody asks, the whatever the doctor expert is has to say that's a great question. They're all great questions, so let's just stipulate that. Uh, there is currently. Zero evidence of COVID-19 being transmitted through food that I am aware of. And uh, this virus is extremely thermolabile, which means that uh, in the presence of heat, it will completely denature and, and become inactivated. And... Um, you know, raw food, you know, if somebody hawked a loogie on it and then you just ate it, maybe. So you might go easy on that. But, uh, you know, if you're going to a place where they're cleaning their utensils and cleaning their areas and using gloves properly, by the way, some of the fast food places are not using gloves properly. They've got people who are handling money with the gloves and you know, digging around in things and then putting a lid on your cup and then running their hand all the way around it to seal the lid. That's not the proper way to use gloves, just by the way. Uh, we appreciate the effort, but um, you got to think about what you're contaminating. Um, but, um, you know, the biology of the virus is it can't survive uh, for surfaces for a real long time. And... Um, you know, foodborne viruses like norovirus uh, can um, last for days on surfaces. And 
the, you know, these things aren't bacteria, so they can't grow inside of food either. The amount of virus that's on the food is just what was placed there. And uh, that will decrease exponentially over time according to its ha the half-life on that surface. So um, the, uh, the stomach is very acidic and therefore should offer some protection for people who still have acidic stomachs. Even people on uh, PPIs, you know, proton pump inhibitors, still have acidic stomachs. They're just not as acidic as they were. Um, so, you know, if you're worried about the packaging, that I understand that. Wash your hands after handling the packaging and just treat it like it's contaminated and you should be okay. Um, you know, food that comes from restaurants should be extremely low risk because food industry workers already are quite aware of um, uh, standards for food handling and they're, they have a heightened awareness about food safety. So um, that should um, set your mind at ease. I'm not aware of any case in the United States or anywhere in the world that's been pinned toward food. I may be wrong on that, and I'm willing to be corrected. But uh, uh, if, they, if it does happen, it's exceedingly rare. Now, you asked about airborne. There's been some talk about uh, this virus being able to be transmitted by close talking. So, again... Don't close talk with people. Those cases would be exceedingly rare. However, as this virus becomes less and less rare in our environment, uh, that's why now the CDC is recommending that we wear masks because there's so many cases now. And remember we talked in the past about the Diamond Princess that half of the people that tested positive had no symptoms whatsoever. So we're getting, it was about 46%, but let's just say half. So for every case you've got that you know about, there's at least one other case that you didn't know about. And that's no big deal when you've got 1,000 cases in the country. It's, it becomes a bigger deal when you have 300,000 cases in the country or 3 million cases in the country. So uh, that's why they're now recommending that people wear masks, because if you're asymptomatic, it may decrease the uh, transmission somewhat. Now, there's a study that just came out, I don't know, um, last week, where, uh, and I believe it was in Korea, it was a very neat study. They had people cough on a Petri dish that had COVID. It's like, well, you got it. What else you got to do? Let's do a, you know, you got time to do a study. Let's do a study. So they had them cough into to a Petri dish, and then they had them put on a cotton mask and then a regular surgical mask and had them cough into another Petri dish and then counted the number of particles. And they were still able to transmit particles onto this Petri dish. Now, one thing I didn't get from the study was how close was it? Because uh, the distance away actually matters. Now, Remember, we talked uh, previously about this inverse square rule, which has to do with things that disperse diminishing with the inverse of this uh, or with the uh, square of the distance. So if um, they um, spewed out a certain number of particles, then when they were two times as far away, it's actually a quarter um, as much as many particles. So if it, at one foot you measure it at two feet, it would be a fourth as much. And then at um, 
you know, three feet would be a ninth as much, et cetera, right? So um, if you wear a mask and you decrease that by 50%, say, I don't know what the number was. It might have been much less than that. But if it was 50%, then because of the inverse square rule, you're actually making a huge difference when you get out to, say, six feet where people uh, should be standing from you. The other thing is, is that let's just say that wearing a mask prevents 1% of illness. When you've got 100 patients that have this, you might not even prevent one illness because you, they're not, you're not going to come into contact with them. But when you've got 100,000 people, you prevent 1% of those, that's 1,000 people. I'll wear a mask to prevent 1,000 people from getting this and dying, you know. You know what I mean? So, uh, anyway. All right. Ugh. Anything going on down there when you went downstairs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, but not because of that. Okay. <laughs> oh, you feel bad now. You were mean to that guy. Yeah, I was mean to the guy who was mean to Steve. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> well, and then I... I made things 10 times worse. I should have just stopped and just kept my mouth shut. Don't That's try to be funny. That's the thing about, I mean. Don't try to be funny. These, oh, social media can really just, and, and nobody ever wins these arguments. That's right. Like I got in an argument with somebody one time because she said that physicians make money off prescriptions that they write. Yeah. That is not true. Not true. I wish it were true. I'd write the hell out of some stuff. I do, too. Yeah. We'd do a whole lot better. That is not true. If you believe that, you are wrong. You are flat out wrong. I argued with this woman on this website. Yeah, there's no. On Facebook. And at the end of it, I just said, oh, just whatever. Get your flu shot. And I lost that (laughs) argument. And I know for a fact. Whatever. Get your flu shot. Yes. I know for a fact I was right. Still lost the argument. You know, I said you can call the FDA, you can ask them, you can ask your local physician, you can talk to any nurse that calls in prescriptions, you know, you can ask anybody. And I still lost that argument, and I know for 100% I was right. Right. If you get upset, you lost already. Yes. And so I just, oh, I just cannot, I cannot do these social media arguments. They're just not worth it ever, ever. Every time I do something like that, I get burned and I, or I burn myself every single time. That was just stupid. And if that dude is listening, I could not be more sorry. And I really was just dicking around with him because I knew, you know, he was stressed out and uh, looked at those numbers and freaked out and was like, damn, you know, you're minimizing this. I'm not trying to minimize anything. No, you we're know. not trying to minimize it here. I mean, especially, yeah. no, not not this. Which That does bring me to a question I had, Steve. Sure. If, if you have... If yeah, I maybe I can okay do better with this it. than the, the ventilator question. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, still worried about about this stupid social media thing. Well, I, was, I was very distracted trying to answer Everybody, that. almost everybody's been burned. And if you haven't been burned, congratulations. Yep. Congratulations on being <laughs> a lot smarter than everybody else. And, you know, way to go, dude. That's great. And yep. um, keep it up. You're listening to Weird Medicine. Hey, Tace, let's take a minute to talk about a new sponsor to the show, DeepDiscount.com. It's a great site. 
uh, to buy movies, TV shows, music, and so much more at really great prices. I'm talking classics from back in the day, hard-to-find titles, and new ones, too. The best price is the prices are incredible, and the choices are just about literally endless. Um, you know, uh, did you know that they had vinyl? No, I did not. I always thought a deep discount before I learned a lot about them uh, and started exploring the site. I thought of it as a movie site, but they have vinyl they have video games, they have CDs, movies and TV, um, electronics, toys and gifts. They even have apparel. It's crazy. Oh, and there are fan shops, too. Uh, DC, Disney, Doctor Who. Ooh, a Disney fan Disney. shop. Disney. Uh-oh. Hmm. Now, wait a minute. Now, I'm clicking on that as I speak. And look at all of this stuff. T-shirts? Well, I'm looking. It's, uh, I don't... Who knows? There's a million pages. So they've just got a ton, ton of stuff. And if you are uh, if you want to start your vinyl collection, because what else have you got to do? Uh, check out uh, deepdiscount.com. I talked last time about uh, my Shakespeare collection, which is now growing exponentially because they have so many movies that I never had before when I had my uh, comprehensive Shakespeare uh, collection on VHS, which we don't even have a way to play those anymore. Uh, you know, we're all doing our best to stay inside. So check out deepdiscount.com. Buy your favorites to keep you company during this time. You'll own them forever. No more searching, bad edits, or sitting through endless commercials. You'll find hundreds and thousands of choices, including new releases, too. All the cool people. All the cool people are doing the, vinyl right now. All that, of them. That's right. And I think they even sell uh, needles and cartridges and things like that, vinyl accessories. That's nuts. Uh, out this week, Little Women. The latest remake from the classic novel tells the timeless yet timely story of a family during and after the Civil War. Little, 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 little Women, now available on Blu-ray and DVD for a great price at deepdiscount.com. Support our sponsor. Own your passion. Thanks, Deep Discount. Thank you. But, um... You know, I, I've been, again, my, my scientific website that I go to called Facebook. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I see a lot of articles about people saying that the curve is already flat. Okay. Can you um, speak to that? <clears throat> I can, a little bit. Um, there, there are a couple of curves. And it, so which curve are we talking about? So I am now looking at Daniel Stout. You know Daniel. He comes over here. He's a computer genius. He does our website. And he has a website that I've put out on my Twitter, if I'm still on Twitter, when you listen to this. But uh, if not, it's stoutlabs-covid-compare.netify.com. <laughs> we need to come up with a bit L-Y for that really quick. But anyway, uh, it's COVID-19 st uh, stats. And I wonder if you searched Stout Labs COVID-19 stats, it would come up. But uh, he has this thing broken down by total cases, deaths, new cases, new deaths, case per 100,000, et cetera. And I uh, will be referencing this on my um, COVID sit rep on Sundays, which if you've not checked those out, uh, the most recent one will have the most current numbers, but... The other ones before, you can skip over the statistics and go to the meat of the things because I do some basic information on those, too. Like someone asked about the um, type A blood type and type O dichotomy, and I talked about that and explained it and all those kinds of things. So 
talked about the uh, IgM testing. What about the curve, though? Okay, sorry. So I'm getting to the curve. So uh, I'm looking at the total cases in the United States is uh, has in rather than being exponential at this point. In other words, going up by the same multiplier every time. That's an so. If you go, you have two cases, then four, then eight, then 16, then 32, then 64, that's an exponential increase. You're going up by a multiple of two every time, right? But if you go two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, had to think about that one for a second, sorry, <laughs> 12, 14, uh, that is a, a linear uh, increase in that you're going up by the same n- number of uh, of cases every day. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so on a regular XY axis, the um, uh, arithmetic increase, you know, that's sort of two, four, six, eight, will make a straight line, whereas the exponential one will make a curve that curves up sharply uh, the farther it goes, right? So instead of curving up sharply at this point, we have gone into sort of a linear expansion at this point, and, uh, which means that the cases are still going up, but they're going up by approximately the same number every day. It's still a high number, but they're, you know, uh, it, they're, we're not doubling at the rate that we were originally. Now, if you look at new cases, though, let's look at new cases, what you see is that there was a peak on 4420, and then on 45 it was uh, slightly decreased, and then uh, 46 rose, but just to a very small degree, and then on 47 about the same. So there is some d- decrease. Now this is what did I say? Four days. That there could be data sitting on somebody's desk for four days. That's why I'm not so quick to say, hey, we've already passed the peak. Well, I've been um, you know, reading this about the curve being flat for weeks. Um, I, I think these people feel depend- like that yeah. it was it, it was flat before everybody made such a big deal about it. I think mm. a lot of these people are people who think that the economy is suffering more than the damage that COVID can do. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's... that's where they're kind of getting at. I understand that. And, uh, well, what some of them, and I've heard people say this, well, it's just old people like me, and I'm just an old expendable asshole, right? So who cares if I die? But here's the problem with that thinking, is that um, if this thing carries a, um, let's just say 1% mortality, just 1%, 99% of people get better, Okay. And it's not probably too far from being right. But let's say 1%. Well, we've had 60 million influenza cases in this country this year. And uh, with a point like 0.1% mortality rate. It's somewhere in there. I'm, I haven't worked out the numbers this year yet. But it's, all, it's generally pretty low. Uh, if 60 million people got this virus, 1% of those would be how much? What would that be? Um, let's ask um, uh, Echo. Echo, what's 1% of 60 million? 1% of 60 million is 600,000. So that would be 600,000 people die and, uh, as opposed to 50,000 that have died from influenza this year. So it would be 10 times more. And then it's not just the deaths, though. There's For every one person who dies, there's at least one to five people that end up in the hospital. <laughs> 
And so let's just say worst case scenario, it's, um, you know, three million people in the hospital all in this short period of time. Now you've got people being treated in the hallways. And if you get appendicitis, you can't, there's nowhere for you to go. If you break your knee, they can't take you, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what we're really trying to avoid, a complete collapse in the, uh, in the medical system. I understand that people are freaking about the economy. And I mean, we're taking a cut and pay too, by the way. I didn't, haven't told you about that, um, at least until this thing is over for two months. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm willing to take the hit if it'll help. But um, there are other people who are way, way worse off than taking a cut in pay. You know, our friends that work in restaurants and in the service industries and the industries that are really hardest hit in the hotel, airlines, those kinds of places. And um, people are looking at their 401ks and freaking the F out, and I don't blame them one bit. So uh, I, uh, on the other hand, I don't know what the answer what a better answer would be, because we can't risk complete collapse of the medical system either. So this is what I propose. We take the hit this time, help people as much as we can, donate, double tip, triple tip. You know, I'm okay with the government printing money in this case, although that's just going to increase inflation and make people poorer over over time. But, you know, for right now, try to make people whole. And then let's just declare war on these effing viruses so this doesn't happen again. We need to have a space race type um, program to eradicate human viruses from uh, this world as far as or at least be able to have such a rapid response that we can respond to a, a, a possible pandemic-causing um, pathogen within days to weeks rather than weeks to months to years. You know, that's what we've got to have because we can never let this ever happen again. We have the technology now that we can do that. Let's commit. If we're not look, if we're not going to go to Mars like I wanted to do, that's fine. Let's spend that money on doing this, and no more viruses. Unless somebody can show me that there's some benefit to having viruses around. I know uh, there may be some viruses that are beneficial to us in that they keep certain, um, I don't know. Uh, parasites down or whatever. You know, if we killed all viruses, we might be overrun with some dang slug or something, you know, that, that that's even worse than the viruses were. I don't know. But we need to at least look at it. And if, if we're not going to eradicate, the, take the battle to them, at least be ready when they try to attack us again. Because this is bullshit. Yep. You know, Ebola can kiss my ass. Marburg can kiss my ass. Smallpox, you're done. You know, we did it with smallpox. We had it beat in in this uh, measles in this country. Uh, back in, what, 2008, there wasn't a single native case of measles. There were cases of measles, but none of them were co contracted in the United States. Well, of course, we've blown that now. But... Um, uh, you know, if you don't like vaccines, okay, well, give a, come up with another way. But um, we we can't allow this stupid nano machine. That's all viruses are; they're nano machines, like on Star Trek. They, it's very much like Star Trek, and um, they are little machines, and all they do is reproduce themselves. To what end? To no end whatsoever. Just to reproduce and then eventually die out. Stupid effing things 
that we may have viral DNA in our genome, though. And so maybe there is some benefit uh, to evolution. I don't know. There's greater minds than mine, but I can't stand. I'm looking at this curve. I can't stand it. You're listening to Weird Medicine. G-Tase, do you experience stress or have anxiety right now? No, not lately. (laughs) Or why would you? (laughs) Or have chronic pain or have trouble sleeping at least once a week? Well, you're not alone. Many people do. Personally, I have had issues with my uh, muscle condition called polymyalgia rheumatica, which hilariously, uh, it's usually 80-year-old women get. And uh, also I had difficulty sleeping. I know you've had difficulty sleeping. Difficulty sleeping, anxiety, yep. crazy. I was searching for anything that would help, and then I discovered Feels, F-E-A-L-S. What is Feels? It's premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Uh, Feels naturally helps reduce stress and anxiety, pain and sleeplessness. It certainly helps me. I notice it when I don't take it. and uh, I do too. It's a very pleasant taste too it comes in a tincture and uh, you get a little dropper and you just drop it under your tongue i've been very pleased with it uh, altogether it's very easy to take you put a couple of drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes the thing to remember about cbd is finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different so leave room to experiment over the course of a week or so you may need to take more or less to get the effects you're after there is real human support with uh, feels are you new to cbd they offer free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. And it works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, no hangover, and no addiction. Join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month, and you'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash fluid and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash fluid to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash fluid. You're listening to Weird Medicine. Now, uh, I, I know you've got a question. I'm looking at states. Let's just look at states real quick. Uh, So I'm looking at U.S. data, and let's look at New York. New York's uh, number of cases right now, 139,857. But new cases, new cases, that curve is not only flattened, but it is declining pretty nicely. Now, again, it's just been over uh, the last four days. So I am hopeful that that means that we are over the hump in New York but I, like I said, every once in a while, you'll get this data will sit on somebody's desk for three or four days. So I want to see a trend that lasts for, uh, you know, seven to 14 days before we start, re- you know, relaxing. Other states, unbelievable. I'm looking at um, Florida. Even Florida has done pretty well in flattening that curve right now. And uh, let's pull up Louisiana real quick. Yeah. Um, New Orleans is a is a concern. Yeah, New Orleans is a concern, but Louisiana as a whole had a big spike on uh, 4-2, and then, uh, but, and then another smaller spike on 4-4, and then another even smaller one on 4-6. Now, their data is undulating like a sine wave, which 
makes me think that's reporting. Somebody's reporting. There are some parishes that are reporting every other day or something. Um, so because yeah. I read that um, a lot more, the death rate is a lot higher in Louisiana because of the health factors. Yeah, let's see. Because everybody down south is heavier. Yeah, we eat a lot of gravy and biscuits and stuff, and well, we have more good down hypertension there. and diabetes. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, new deaths in uh, Louisiana. This Now, we're recording this, and look, we're doing this off the top of our head. So Wednesday, April 8th. So new deaths in Louisiana, according to this, were 70 uh, today, or sorry, yesterday. And they were... Um, uh, 35 the day before, but then it was kind of just smoldering before that. And it peaked on um, uh, 4-3, where Louisiana had uh, 60, 68 on 4-5. So, so anyway, now New York is was at 594 and then 791 uh, yesterday. So you will see the number of deaths lagging. You know, that will decline about... 14 days after the new cases decline because it makes sense if someone gets exposed today they'll get symptomatic in 5 to 11 days 96 percent of people will be symptomatic by day 11 and then they'll be sick for another say 14 days so it can take up to 25 days to see these curves lag with you know uh, uh, conform to each other so if the if they had zero new cases in in New York starting tomorrow, they would still see some increase in the number of deaths over the next few a uh, few days to weeks. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. One last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are drinking more. I mean, I hear that. I can't say I'm personally experiencing it. Ha ha. <laughs> um, but how long is it going to take us all to dry out? What about our liver enzymes? And then, you know, I know when you when you stop alcohol, there's a great bunch of anxiety, and then people are going to be trying to get out and get life back to normal, and I can't even imagine the anxiety levels, and I just I just was wondering. Yeah, I know. Well, how, how long does it take people to dry out? You know, good things can cause stress, too. So when we get back into our regular lives, be prepared for stress. I I mean, you and I have both experienced the first day on vacation stress. And I know I'm I really don't handle it well. I've been trying to be better now that I'm cognizant of it because you think, oh, I'm going on vacation. It'll be awesome. And then you just kind of, you know, in my case, get kind of prickly and easy to just get frustrated and stuff like that. And it's, it's crazy. So uh, to the alcohol question, levels usually rise after alcohol intake that, you know, if it's continued for several weeks. And within it, about six weeks of abstinence, those levels generally will decrease to within the normal reference range, assuming you haven't done permanent damage. The half-life of um, um, this liver enzyme GGT is about 20, 14 to 26 days. So let's say 20 days. So... Uh, If it's up to um, 100 on day one and it's going to go down to, say, 15, then uh, it'll be 50 after about 20 days and then 25 after 40 days and then work its way down to uh, its final low level of 15. So, um, yeah, and just be careful. uh, Taking a lot of Tylenol while you're drinking a lot is a recipe for liver problems. So try to avoid that and not binge drinking and 
and Tylenol for sure. And if you have a drinking problem, if you feel like you have a problem, there are virtual meetings on AA now. We have a mutual friend who um, um, I, you know, recommended that he call AA and get in on a virtual meeting because he's just having a hard time with this, you know. So it's Hmm. tough and and nothing easy about it. I think when things start to um, get better and and start to go back to normal, I mean, I would like for you to spend some time on, you know, how to reduce anxiety because that's going to be that's going to be huge. I mean, the the whole world's going to be prickly. Agreed. Well, let's do one. Let's do one exercise right now. We've done it before on the show, but it's very effective. And it's called square breathing. And this is when you start feeling anxious. Because the other day, I was in my office. And, you know, I used to have pretty bad anxiety. I had panic disorder, all kinds of stuff. And I'm mostly 100% gone. I mean, cured. I hate to use the word cured. Because obviously I'm not. Because the other day, I was in my office and I started feeling lightheaded. And I thought, oh, gosh, maybe my oxygen level is low. Maybe I've got a problem. I got my nurse to check my oxygen levels, 100%. And that's not normal. 96, you know, to 98% is pretty normal for walking around. So um, the fact that it was so high was it was likely that I was hyperventilating and didn't even realize it. And then I realized what it was was anxiety. I was having anxiety. It had been so long since I had it, I forgot what it felt like. So one way to break that when you start feeling that is to do this thing called square breathing because the physical symptoms of hyperventilation come from blowing off too much carbon dioxide. And so your carbon dioxide level drops. Your heart may start beating faster. You'll get tingling of your fingers, tingling around your mouth, and you'll feel lightheaded. So, uh, and that's a product of hyperventilation. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm breathing fast. You could breathe one time a minute more than your body actually needs, and this will still happen. It'll take longer. Like, I could hyperventilate right now and get it down in a minute, but it might take me an hour or two if I'm just anxious and I'm breathing 13 times a minute when I only need to breathe 12 because I'm anxious. So, to stop that, you could breathe into a paper bag. That's one way to do it. If you breathe into a paper bag, you're blowing out carbon dioxide, then re-inhaling it. And that carbon dioxide that you're re-inhaling goes back into your lungs and increases your carbon dioxide level in your bloodstream and the symptoms go away. Problem is, if you do this on a subway, you just put a target on your back. That this person's having a problem. And um, so there's another way to do it. And that's, as I said, square breathing. So let's do it. Square breathing. So you're going to inhale for four beats. However long those four beats are, it doesn't matter, but you're going to inhale for four. Then you're going to hold for four. Then exhale for four. Then hold for four. And repeat. Now, if you will continue to do that, you can only inhale or exhale one-fourth of the time, right? There's no other number that it could be. And if you're only inhaling or exhaling 25% of the time, it is impossible for you to hyperventilate. Then your carbon dioxide levels will increase in about a minute, and you will feel better almost immediately. And the great thing about it is you can do this on the subway. 
or in a plane or anywhere else, and uh, no one ever has to know what you're doing because they can't detect it. So, all right, and th that's just a little tidbit from your old pal, Dr. Steve, and we'll do more um, as time goes on. I think that's a good idea, Tace. Thank you. You're a dang genius. All right, let's see here. Okay. Hey, doctor. My name is Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, I went to a doctor. They said I I thought I had toe fungus. My my toes are getting nails are getting real thick and crusty, but they said it's not fungus. I tried Lamisil for six months. It did nothing. They said my toes were injured when I was younger, and I would just have to live with it. I'd like to get your thought. Thank you. Oh. Well, that's weird. Um, you know, did. Did this happen to you suddenly? If so, that hypothesis doesn't make sense to me. You know, changes in your toenails are usually a sign of an underlying condition, not always. And um, if they grow thicker over time, it's often a fungal infection called onychomycosis. So I'd be interested to know why they said it wasn't that. Uh, because as they continue to thicken, they just get bigger and bigger, and now you're your shoes pushed down on them and it causes pain. And I had one toenail. It was so gross. And I remember the, the, the very last straw was when we got on a boat to do a parasailing thing. And I caught these 16 year old girls looking at my feet with this look of disgust. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Oh, he's so gross. And so I, um, as soon as we got home, I made an appointment, had that toenail ripped off. And, um, so, uh, fungal infections can be, um, can look like toenails that change color. Um, or they get this thick and this junk underneath and uh, they split or crumble, or they could look scaly or chalky, stuff like that. So any of those things, if they have debris under them. Um, I wish we had a picture. Yeah, it'd be nice if this was a video show. But uh, just Google onychomycosis. Onychomycosis is, um, it just means it's a fancy name for toenail fungus. Do you remember that guy <clears throat> on Opie and Anthony that used to flee was his name? He used Flea. to pee on his feet because he said it killed the fungus. Oh, that was, yes. He, he was talking about athlete's foot. I remember that. It's disgusting. Was it Flea? He was a kid, right? Wasn't that his name? I think so. I wonder that was where the he first is. show we ever did, I think. I wonder what's going on with him I now. Know. I don't know. Probably still peeing on his feet. Probably still. He and says it's made his skin soft, too. We did justify some of what he was saying. And it made uh, the producers mad because they apparently, I guess, I don't know, they wanted us to crap on him. But urea, which is found in urine, uh, it can be made into a cream called urea cream, strangely enough, that you would call urea-containing cream, urea cream. And uh, it is a skin softener, and you can also soften nails with it. We would have people put urea cream on their nails before we would go in with a... Um, with a Dremel drill to just black, you know, to drill them, grind them down if they got too big. So there you go. Now, if you have onychomycosis, which they told this guy he didn't, I would, I would love for him to call back and tell us why they thought that it wasn't that. Um, there is a medication on the market called Jublia. They're not sponsors of this show. You put it on for 48 weeks 
and it, it will decrease uh, toenail fungus, fungus, fungus significantly in people who already don't have um, toenails that are already destroyed. Okay, so if it's just starting. Now, the interesting thing is that I also read a study that showed that Vicks VapoRub, if you put it on twice a day on your toes, will resolve toenail fungus in 48 weeks. So it may not be the medicine in the Jubilee. I don't know. It may just be that putting something on your toenails for 48 weeks is enough to kill the fungus. Like suffocates it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, I I found that Vicks thing very interesting because it was exactly the same amount of time that you're supposed to put this other stuff on. Now, toenails grow really slowly. I bashed my toenail once, and I think it took a year for the the, um, divot to kind of grow out and finally uh, allow me to clip it off so that you couldn't see it anymore. So there you go. There's your one non-COVID question. For so the are day. your feet not gross now? I don't think so. I, I mean, I've had I've while. had two giant toe. I've had the, my two big toenails removed, and uh, then you know if you don't really look hard, you can't really tell. But it's not a big brown, disgusting horn sticking out of my foot anymore. <laughs> this is horrendous. I was so embarrassed. It wasn't like I was trying to make time with these girls, but, you know, just the look on their faces. Yeah, just, ew, gotta, ew, he is so gross. Your feet have to look. They just have to They have to look good. Yeah, people actually do look at your feet, I guess. They really, anyway. really do, and that's why women spend all that money in salons. Yep. Okay, well, you're about ready to get out of here. It's yeah. We're getting into that season where it's going to be 1,000 degrees up here, so we'll have to turn the air conditioning on. It never works that well, but I apologize for that. Okay. You haven't had to be up here um, during those times that I remember, but it gets pretty bad. But we'll turn the fan on, and well, maybe we just get naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks always go to my delightful wife, Tacey. Thanks for being here. The uh, response from Twitter and Facebook and emails has been nothing but positive. So um, until that one guy that I was mean to. Well, I've anyway. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go text him again and just tell him I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I think at amends. some point you need to just drop it. I know. I know. I need to make amends, though. Well, I, it sounds like you have really tried, and yeah. Anyway, I hope I. He must listen to this because this is where he emailed me so dude just email me and i'm sorry so uh we can't forget rob sprantz bob kelly greg hughes anthony cumia jim norton travis teft lewis johnson paul Charsky, eric nagel roland campos sam roberts pat duffy dennis falcone matt from the syndicate ron bennington and fez motley who supported this show has never gone unappreciated Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.